What's up, everybody? I'm Nicky, and welcome back to the first offense audio installment. We're fresh off the All-Star Weekend. Larson just swept the truck and the cup race, grabbing another million bucks. He's actually won three of his last four All-Star races. He did miss 2020, but since 2019, he's won three million in just the All-Star races alone. We'll talk more about that later, but we'll also talk about how the NASCAR community and NASCAR itself did the impossible and officially brought North Wilkesboro back to life. And we'll also talk about how this race perfectly proves that NASCAR is right on the edge of having a good weekend almost every weekend if we could just fix one small thing with the short track package. And then of course we'll talk about my favorite race of the year probably which is the Coke 600 and what we might expect next Sunday. So this podcast is going to look a little different because it wasn't a regular series of regular points paying race. So only the only person that really walked away happy was Kyle Larson because he he got the big check and no one else got points or anything like that. So I just want to talk about my initial thoughts on North Wilkesboro because my perspective is a little bit different than everybody's or not everybody's, but just most of the people that were super excited about this race and this weekend and the track and everything because I wasn't even born the last time NASCAR was here. It was in 1996. I was born in 2001. So I didn't have like that connection to it, but I do, I think the way, the reason I thought it was so cool is because I love when something is like old and worn out and it gets taken and fixed, but it gets fixed to the point where it's like left original, but then add a bunch of modern stuff is kind of added into it. So it's like a hybrid of old and not completely restored to exactly how it was but it's still you can still tell that it was built a long time ago and hasn't been changed much since and I think that's really cool to do with anything like I'm not even saying completely restore something because they did add some new things which I think is even cooler than restoring something to exactly what it was like because it makes it more practical and cooler because it's just more up to date like for example they added some temporary grandstands and they converted some of the buildings and they took like the old care center and turned it into a media center for the drivers to go and get interviewed and everything so when i see all that i'm like oh that's nice it's brand new brand new track but then you look and it has like the old beat up surface with little patches in the all the aluminum seats are the same. They basically like refurbished it. It's almost like people who buy stuff at the thrift shop and leave a lot of it the same, but then put another coat of paint on it and add some other things and then sell it. Stuff like something like that. I think that's really cool. And I mean, they were kind of forced to do this. That's probably why it came out so good. They had such a short amount of time to prepare. And I'm assuming they had a somewhat tight budget they that they had to follow. So they probably had to divvy up their resources in a specific way that they could get it done and get it ready for cup rates and TV and everything. And I really think that helped bring the track back because since they had to be select with what they fixed, it, it forced them to leave so much of the track original. And that that's why I, how I kind of appreciated it because I... I don't I never saw anybody race here but I just like when something is old and you can tell it's old but it's 
remade to be practical for today, which is pretty much exactly what they did with this. I thought it was one of the best looking tracks, just visually wise, um, that we've gone to because the red and white walls, like the way the light posts are in the middle even, they just looked, it just looked like it was just taken straight out of the 90s and put into the, put into today. It reminded me of like old Bristol, like a track like that where now, I mean, it's Bristol's like one of the coolest tracks, but it doesn't look like it's from the 90s like it did when it was in the 90s, obviously, before it got reconfigured and everything like that. What I thought was also cool about it is it's such a unique track, and it seems like the unique tracks in NASCAR, the tracks that always have some weird little attributes about them are always the best one, like Martinsville's the paperclip, Bristol, super high-banked, Darlington is a pretty weird, unique track. And this has that too with the incline and the decline in the turns. So they go downhill into, I think, three and four and uphill into one and two. They have to climb the hill. And then it's the shape of it is really nothing like what we have on the circuit. It's nothing like Richmond. It's nothing like Bristol or Martinsville. It's completely different. And that's like the perfect storm for being one of those tracks that everyone loves. And it has this kind of story about it going into the weekend, like the paperclip of the Bristol, the fastest half mile in the world. They're the last great Coliseum. I think it could really be like that. But that brings us to what's going to happen with it. And the, one of the biggest things that was talked about was the repave. What kind of, what are they going to repave it with? what's going to happen when they repave it does it need to be repaved but i'll just say this i think that if this was any other era of car when the short track package is really good then they would be talking about repaving it as soon as possible and i think they they're delaying the inevitable which is when there's fresh asphalt it's going to change the characteristics of the track a lot at first and of course it's super cool racing on the old surface because the cup guys today are racing on the same surface that guys raced on 40 years ago but the package with the, this next gen car on short tracks when it gets repaved is probably going to struggle because a lot of what made that race good and it still wasn't even the on-track product wasn't amazing is the insane surface so i think we should just get it out of the way repave it because we're gonna have to anyways and we need to figure out how to repave it fix the short track package and make this a yearly track that we race on and i think everyone likes to point to horsepower immediately because it's like add more horsepower and yeah everyone would love more horsepower but this they were spinning the tires even with 670 horsepower because the track was so worn out that they were just they could they couldn't even go full throttle and that just goes to show that there's a lot of other factors and we can't just raise the horsepower and it's going to fix everything i haven't listened to denny's podcast yet but i did see a clip where he said he's more confident than ever that the tire could fix a huge part of our problem so check that out and tire plays a huge role in it tire horsepower arrow but back to north wilkesboro in the 90s this track was notorious for long green flag runs so it 
shouldn't have came to a shock to anybody that it was did end up being a really long green flag run at the end i mean 100 laps completely green then you got to think it was an all-star race so there was less cars in the field less cautions less lap traffic also it was shorter than a normal race so there was less action no stages besides that one stage after 100 laps so yeah it was there's a lot of things that we have to look at that contribute to how i guess entertaining the race is but the fact of the matter is it was the all-star race and Kyle Larson is like the all-star driver in the world right now, never mind NASCAR, and he basically lapped the whole field. For being called the all-star race, that's exactly what it was. And usually after a race like this, you're just like have a bad feeling all around. But this, since the weekend was so good, I was just like, this, this was good, it was a success. It was cool to see Larson win, even though it wasn't the most insane race. It was an old-school style race, and the fact that they were able to restore the track and be able to run on it, I can appreciate, and it gave me like a lot of optimism of all the possibilities with some of the tracks around the country that we don't use. Plus, we had the truck race, which put on a really good show, so no one can say that the track sucks. Ultimately, I think it was a a good weekend in a win for NASCAR could have of course went a little bit smoother it always can and we knew it's not like we it's a shock that the short track package didn't put on the best show everyone's just still gonna complain every single race we still had some good takeaways and the tracks fixed it's not just gonna go dormant again it's gonna be used and that's always good. I think the best, oh my god, the next, the Xfinity car would definitely put on the best show. Better than trucks, better than cup for sure. And if you get some cup guys in there, I know every everybody hates cup guys running in lower series. I've been seeing so much stuff on Twitter about it. But if you put some cup guys in the Xfinity cars, then that would be a really good race. I'm sure... They're gonna. I don't see why they wouldn't take the Xfinity cars there. At least try them there. And it's scheduling, obviously. But as long as one NASCAR, the top three touring series, go there, then we'll have a good North Wilkesboro race to look forward to any year. All right. Now we got to talk about the actual race because we pretty much just talked about the track. So, like I said, Kyle Larson almost lapped the whole field, which I was shocked because he was horrible in practice. And, of course, I thought even after the fresh tires, I'm like, all right, well, he's going to drive to the front. He's on way newer tires than everyone. He might get stalled out towards the front, which he didn't, and he just completely drove away from everyone. So I was still wondering, like, is his car this good? Is it the tire fall off? But then he got in the same strategy as everyone and still just completely drove away. I think this was just sheer driver. Obviously, he had a good car. I think it was more driver than anything because no one could even really come close to him i don't know if it was because he was in clean air so he kept his tires together for that second run in the last 100 laps and the guys that were in traffic and racing each other just burned their tires off but that's really all he needed because he his lead he got so huge so fast and he wasn't even pushing i thought the racing in the middle of the pack was insane when guys would get out of their groove they would go shooting up way out of the groove which we don't see anymore and 
it reminded me of what would happen if you completely missed your corner before you could shift and just drive out of it. You just go flying out of there and get t overtaken by so many cars. And that happened to quite a few people. I think it happened to Blaney, Hamlin, it happened to once. And I think they were still shifting because you could see them like shifting get a lot of momentum back but it was they would still launch so far off the bottom that they would get passed by a bunch of cars and then get freight trained and larson there's this video on instagram and there's a train on the bottom when he's on fresh tires he passes like four cars in one corner just get go on the outside too that's insane that puts into perspective how fast he was flying another interesting thing denny and Larson were, kind of tried to run the same line. Well, Larson was running that line where he would put his tires on the apron and it would give him a big run down the straightaway. And then Hamlin got lapped by him and saw him do it. And you see Hamlin do it and he bottomed out. So that also shows you how the cars are set up differently. Obviously, Larson's car was set up in a way that was allowing him to launch up there. And he did it in the truck too, but no one thought you could do it in the cup race. And he thought that the cup car actually ran a little bit better up there even though there was guys out there who couldn't even do it it's crazy there was guy some guy struggling i thought harvick was going to be a lot better because of tire conservation he struggled bush i knew would struggle because the short track package at rcr but he struggled even more than i thought he would some other guys and I mean, I'm sure tire conservation mattered, but I think everybody's tires were just completely destroyed, except for Larson's and a few others. And one thing I also forgot to mention was Reddick and Bubble were on the same strategy as Larson, and they drove to the front and stayed 1, 2, and 3. So that made me wonder how much of it was Larson's car, and how mu or how much of it was his strategy of getting into the track position, and then him just driving the car. That makes me think that there was a few other guys that could have gone up there and been able to maybe contend with him or beat him. I thought if Hamlin got in clean air, he would be really strong. None of the Gibbs cars even really got a shot at it. So I think maybe if the race was a little bit longer, it would have panned out a little bit better. Maybe 250 laps would have allowed for a little more action. Or maybe it would have just made it a lot boring. Who knows? That's that. I want to move on to the first offense, move of the race, underdog of the race, stuff like that, and then talk about the Coke 600, or what used to be called the World 600. The one specific thing he did, it just goes to his entire race. He put those tires on, flew through the field, got in clean air, had a good restart, got out to the lead early, and then nearly lapped, would he lap all the way up to 10th. And at first, I didn't really think about how big of a deal it was that he was lapping this many cars because there was only, what, 24 cars in the field. But then I just thought of how good some of the cars he was lapping was. What he lapped Harvick twice, Ham Kyle Busch twice, Hamlin, Truex. He was lapping cars that usually run in the top five on short tracks. So I'm not sure what changes him and Cliff made after practice when they were struggling, but I'm not sure if they would have made it through Tech after this one if it was a points-paying race. Either way, it's always fun to see one of the best drivers in a super-fast car have a race like that, and it was a fitting performance considered it's called the All-Star Race. Now Young Money's won $3 million bucks in the last five years in All-Star Races alone.
this one's going to be unpopular, but the underdog of the race goes to Ty Gibbs for making it into the All-Star race in the first place. He had to come top two in the All-Star Open. And then running a good race and finishing ninth, which was actually the best of the Gibbs cars. And he got a little dirty in the All-Star Open when he kind of rammed his way through and got into McDowell. But to me, I think that after his team had the best pit stop of the entire pit stop challenge, he probably felt like he owed it to his team to get him into the All-Star Race because they put, up, they put him on the pole and then... All he had to do was run a good race. He had a good car. So I think he just got aggressive and made sure that they were going to stay and at least have a shot at competing for the a million bucks. So he got a little dirty, but hey, he had to get it done to get into the all-star race, and then he took home a top 10. So it was a successful weekend for him. I'm sure he would like to run a little bit better, but not bad considering he outran all his teammates. Now it's time to get into race takes and see what you guys thought of the race. I'm sure these are going to be mixed depending on if you care about North Wilkesboro or if you just want to see good on-track racing. All right, the first one, good old-fashioned ass-whooping. That's that's true. I mean, it was similar to how the races were in the 90s. Huge leads and huge green flag rounds. Boring. Cool race, my boy got it. You know, Lar- Larson fans were happy, that's for sure. We got ZZZ emoji. I... <laughs> I can't really argue with that, but honestly, I, it was kind of fun to me to see Larson just run the line he was running and just be blowing by some of the best cars lapping them because even though he was winning by so much, he was still putting on a show. We got awesome. Boring AF need a new car and package. Well, I don't think we need a new car. <laughs> There's no going back now. We do need a new package, though, which... What even is the package? Spoiler and horsepower. It's a lot of other things, tire. But ultimately, we can fix one of these things, and then the rest will start to fall into place. And just we can just gradually get it a little bit better over the next year. So I guess we just got to have some optimism in the meantime. Obviously, NASCAR and Goodyear and everyone's working to make it better. They already showed that they're willing to change some stuff about the car like the underbody the spoiler so i'm sure they're willing to do even more obviously everyone wins if the on-track product is better all right so that's it for race takes i think the general consensus is it was it was a sick event but it was just a typical next-gen short track race i i was entertained i mean it was short and it was so new that By the time I got bored of learning about all the new stuff or just taking in the insane tire wear and guys getting way out of the groove, the race was almost over. Time for NASFAX from Trey Ryan on Twitter. Follow him up. I say it every week and leave his link in the description because if you're like me, I love looking at NASCAR in stats and numbers. It puts a lot of stuff into perspective and then... It kind of makes the racing better because you can appreciate different things happening in the race. Alright, so like this, some other dominant all-star races, 1986, Bill Elliott led 82 of 83 laps, Dale Earnhardt led all 70 in 1990, and Davey Allison led all 70 in 1991. So that's why everyone's calling it an old school race because 
when it comes to all-star races, no one's dominated like this since 1991. The next one, eight different teams have won in the first 10 races of the 2023 Craftsman Truck Series. This ties 2008 for the most different teams to win in the first 10 races in series history. This, I think, I want to talk about this real quick because this has got to be because of KBM. That's This is my theory. So the team lost a little funding. I think Kyle said, and the, the trucks were okay at the beginning of the season. They were they were probably the fastest trucks in the beginning of the season. They're a little rough right now, but also they lost two really good drivers, Corey Heim and Chandler Smith, who you would think would have won a few of these races that were collected from other teams, making it eight different teams to win. And another thing, the Toyotas have been getting fast. Corey Heim's been super strong. So I don't know if KBM's gonna start playing second fiddle to Tricon or maybe another team is gonna step up, but it feels like KBM is kind of mixed in with the teams that they're usually out running, and that's why we're getting so many different winners. We'll see what happens with KBM and Tricon, because I mean, if Tricon's getting a ton of money from Toyota, then they're just gonna keep getting stronger, and if Kyle doesn't want to put He's not getting the money to put super good drivers like he was with KBM. He was getting TRD drivers. Then they're going to continue to struggle. And really the only drivers that are going to run good in the KBM trucks are is the all-star drivers that run the 51, like William Byron, Kyle, whoever else runs it. Then if they don't have the speed that they usually have, those drivers aren't even going to be able to get it done. And they've they've been working on getting that 100th win for a while. Kyle could have got it at Coda, didn't get it. He could have got it at what Kansas, didn't get it done. Byron, I thought, would get it done for sure in his three starts. But they've kind of only gotten slower since their their closest run to getting that 100th win, which was Coda when they messed up the strategy. All right, this one's just kind of a fun, unique stat. Hendrick Motorsports won both races at North Wilkesboro in 96, which is the last time the, tri- the Cup Series raced here. And then 27 years later, they win both the All-Star Open and the All-Star Race in 2023. It's a classic NASCAR full circle thing that always happens. It's just weird stats that always line up. Maybe it's not, it's probably just there's so many stats that go into NASCAR that it ends up like this, but it's still cool to look at. Okay, the last two things I want to talk about before we move on to the Coke 600 is that there is going to be maybe a new streaming deal with Amazon. I talked about one of the potential outcomes with this last week, but they're saying that the Xfinity series might go strictly onto Amazon. And I personally have no idea what this means because the thing about the Xfinity series is that it's mostly core fans fans who just love NASCAR and love racing and I would say an occasional amount of just average people who want to watch something throw it on on a Saturday they're like oh or someone's like oh Kyle Busch is running I'm gonna watch Larson's running I'm gonna watch so with that being said since it's a lower series I don't I I would assume that this would immediately drop the viewership because people can do without the Xfinity. For example, me personally, since I'm moving to Charlotte in a couple weeks, I think I'm going to be a lot busier than I am now. And 
if I needed more time to do something else, I would just not watch the Xfinity Series race on a Saturday. I could do without it. I would be more likely to figure out how to watch the Cup race than the Xfinity Series race by a ton. So if I have to get a streaming deal with Amazon, me personally, whatever you have to do, whatever package you have to buy from Amazon, me personally, I, I'd probably do it because you get a if you get a full year, it's the Xfinity Series, a tr on-track product, and the Xfinity Series is like the best on-track product of like every racing series in the world. That's what they always say on DBC. So I personally would do it, but there's a million fans probably that would just be like, yeah, whatever, I'll watch the truck race. So I don't know what the goal is here. I'm sure, hopefully they talked about it on Door Bumper Clear. Because Brett always has smart things to say about this stuff. I'll have to listen to that. But for me personally, from my perspective, as just an average NASCAR fan, yeah, I have the podcast, but I'm not involved any more than that. I can say that I just want to casually turn on the Xfinity race on a Saturday and not have to worry about much more than that. I'm like, oh, Xfinity series race on Saturday. I'll tune into that. I mean, yeah, I know whenever it starts and whenever there are races, but I'm sure there's a million fans that are like, oh, there's an Xfinity Series race on. Let me click it on. And they're not like, I thought there was an Xfinity Series race this Saturday. Let me find out how I can watch it. They're just going to watch something else because there's so much resistance. It's easier for them to just watch a different sport. So I just, I don't see how this would help hopefully someone can explain it or we learn more details that it explains why it would be beneficial but for now that's my take on it all right the weekend schedule we got truck practice at 135 friday qualifying is friday at 205 and the race is 830 friday night xfinity practice is at 335 friday qualifying is at 405 and the race is one o'clock saturday Cup practice and qualifying is at 7.05 and 7.50, with the race being Sunday at 6 o'clock. So this is the cup practice and qualifying is actually at a very similar time of when they're going to race. The track will be hot at 6 when it starts, but it's going to get gripped up late into the night. And this is going to create the comer and goer effect for sure, which I always like to see in races where you get a guy super strong in the beginning and then the track gets more grip in someone else's car comes to life. That always makes for passing, and it just makes the track more racy. It might get a little... I, I mean, it's a 600-mile race. We're going to see some times where they're just all running the top, and there's not much race. I say that even though last year was just insane for the entire race. There was guys going from the back to the front, front to the back 15 times. We had that weird flip, so I expect it to be an insane one. It's just, it's so hard to dominate races in the next-gen car and lead 350 laps of 400 that it, so you never know who's going to win. You get halfway through the race and you're like, oh, Larson is dominating this one, and then all of a sudden he drops set to second, third, and Chastain's leading, and then... Hamlin's good and it comes down to a late race restart so I think that's an effect of the next gen car and this track seems to be really good 
for the current package we have for passing and just good racing in general so i don't see how this one couldn't be one of the better races we've had all year the intermediate races have not failed us yet except for maybe vegas but other than that we've had some good ones for picks i have no idea who to pick for cup usually i get a gut feeling of who to pick for cup but when i don't i just don't i just take my guy so i'm going kyle bush that makes sense like last week i was like oh harvick's it just like hit me i'm like harvick's gonna be good or the week before that whatever whoever i took but if i don't if and if it's a track that kyle's good at i'll just take him so yeah i'm being biased all right xfinity race i will go also go kyle bush (laughs) for the same reason and then trucks i'll take dean thompson because couple reasons one he follows me on instagram so i talk to him on there sometimes two he's been doing a lot better and running really strong lately he's just had some bad luck and three his interview was hilarious last week when Haley deegan cleaned him out and he just kept saying i just want to thank thompson pipe group and then all his other sponsors so that was funny so i hope i hope he wins i would love to see him win that would be cool and there's no cup guys so it's his time to shine Anyways, I'm looking forward to Charlotte. It's going to be a good weekend, and we, we're coming off of another good weekend. We've got the momentum rolling still. I mean, it wasn't as insane as I thought it was going to be, but it was still good. And the Coke 600 never disappoints. It's wrapping up May, going into June. And someone has the opportunity to get the second crown jewel of the year, and it's the Coke 600, which is honestly maybe my favorite crown jewel. Like I said, it's one of my favorite races. I wish I was going to be there next year. I will be there, mark my words, because I'm moving to Charlotte in two weeks. And the way I lined it up was I wanted to move in the off week of NASCAR. So I wasn't worried about like making podcasts and making all kinds of Instagram posts and stuff while I'm trying to get settled into moving. So I think I lined it up pretty well, even though I could have went down couple weeks early and been able to go to the coke 600 i don't think i should really be focused on going to races when i'm just moving and living on my own for the first time and everything it's already hectic enough but that leads me to the first offense story the new podcast just going over moving and my plan for when i get to charlotte trying to grow this podcast and first offense in general and get a job working for a team and just getting more involved in NASCAR and then eventually going to all the races and either doing working for a team or doing something else who knows I I don't even have a plan the plan is to have no plan but I'm gonna figure it out when I get down there so listen to that let me know if you like it and let me know what you thought of North Wilkesboro on this podcast if you made this far I appreciate it thank you for listening I hope you enjoy the Charlotte weekend, and I hope everyone has a good week. I'll see you next Tuesday. Peace.